Welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast, leading the way in the business of medicine. Now here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello everyone and welcome to the NSCHBC EDGE podcast. I'm your host, Terry Fletcher. The EDGE podcast is brought to you today by the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. Our goal is to discuss healthy business principles, have conversations on the business side of medicine, so that you and your practice can thrive, be profitable, and successful for years to come. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to 2022. I want to talk about the social media in medical and dental practices and what is necessary to make sure you're on top of the information from a social media platform and what that can generate, both good and bad, but also how it can help you grow your patient population. With me today to discuss the topic is Maureen uh, UY. So hopefully Maureen will let me know how to pronounce that later on. Maureen is a certified healthcare business consultant, a fellow member of the NICHBC like myself, and she's the senior consultant from over 20 years with Associated Marketing. In her role, Maureen has been able to help businesses and organizations change and grow to meet the ongoing demands of their customers while battling uncontrollable market conditions. As a small growing company themselves, they understand the challenges that often uh, owners face as they try to compete in the ever-changing landscape of marketing, social media, and competitive market sales. And Maureen focuses on the medical and dental practices uh, in the healthcare industry. So we are happy to have her today on the podcast. So Maureen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. Now, how do I say your last name? It's uh, pronounced Uwe. Uwe. So okay. For our Southeast and Southwest uh, listeners, it's like the Spanish word muy, which means very, uh, but you drop the M and okay. uh, just go Uwe. Uwe. Okay. There you go. UI. So this is kind of a fun topic because at one of our last uh, meetings we did, I think it was our yearly meeting uh, in June, we talked about social media. And, and I think uh, you and I as healthcare consultants, you'll probably agree that we've got clients, we have potential clients, we have listeners on our podcast that really, I don't think they either have time or pay attention or really understand how social media works or what the awareness is and how it can generate customers. So let's focus on a couple of things in our conversation today. First of all, whether physicians or dentists or any of those medical practices in healthcare, whether you know it or not, you're on social media. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You can definitely have a social media presence uh, that someone started up for you. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of these channels later, but uh, a lot of them don't even know that they have a presence out there that even maybe one of their patients created. So it's very important uh, to monitor it as part of their overall digital footprint. It is. And one of the other things, and just again, we're speaking to our listeners today, to keep in mind is that it seems like everybody always has their phone in their hand. And once they have their phone, it's not just texting. Everybody's always checking their Facebook or checking their Instagram. I know I'm terrible. After dinner every night, if my husband and I are doing something or watching a show or just re relaxing, there's it's quiet. That's the first thing I do is I get on my Instagram account. So I think that we're going to focus on some of the top, uh, I would say, social media platforms that a lot of um, people are aware of. So there's everything you can imagine out there. But I would like, Maureen, if you can, just speak to the largest platform, which is Facebook, as we know. It's also tied to Instagram, but also the, the search on Google. I don't think people realize that is technically social media, correct? 
Yeah, with the new um, core update that was done uh, by Google and dripped out from April through July of this year, one of the things they changed uh, specifically that spins off to their sister product, which is a Google My Business profile. And for those of you that don't know what that is, Google My Business profile is like having the world's largest yellow or white pages out there, but it has a few more bells and whistles in that you can control your graphics and information on it. So it is just an absolutely wonderful tool, but you also have to be very careful in monitoring uh, what's posted there by people that may not even be your patients. I think the biggest one that most people are identifying with, as you mentioned earlier, and that's the big bad mama, and that's Facebook, which has kind of hit its stride um, and taken a lot of guff this year, but it's still standing very strong. Uh, I think they were very wise to purchase. Um, Meta, which is the parent company of Facebook, was really wise to purchase a few years ago. Uh, Instagram, which is this wonderful micro video version of social media out there. Uh, it is a very different platform. Uh, and that is spurred on other competitors um, like TikTok, which we're not going to really get into them today, uh, just for the sake of time. So it's really critical that you know where your patients and or your customers are kind of coming from for each one of these. It's true. And the one thing that the reason we're mentioning Facebook and Instagram and Google First of all, it's amazing how Dr. Google <laughs> seems to get a lot of attention when anybody has something wrong with them. I never, it never fails to amaze me. I have somebody that says, so Terry, I went to Google and I found out and I'm like, oh my gosh, people, <laughs> please do not use Dr. Google to, you know, I mean, maybe for some information, but not to diagnose yourself, you know, you need to go to a physician. But the Facebook and Instagram, and I'll actually throw one in there that drives doctors crazy, Yelp, because I look at that for restaurants. Oh, yeah. Um, these are platforms that not only do they, what's the word I'm looking for? Do they provide ads? Um, but they also are a voice for people behind a, you know, a platform, people behind a computer um, on their phones. And it's amazing how much negative you can see on there versus positive we wish it, we wish it was all positive but you get a lot of, there's an option to leave a comment on if you have a page and so those comments can sometimes be just brutal and so when i talk about that you know explain what you tell your clients when it comes to responding to that or even checking their pages and maybe even having a social media manager in their practice Sure. For us, we generally are handling our clients' social media, not just in terms of the content that is going out there, which is great. Um, I think people think that it is super easy to do that. And I think, Terry, you can agree with me from any standpoint to produce really good, meaningful content that connects with your audience is really paramount. Yes. But it's a double-edged sword, is like we, we like to say with social media. Um, first off, we, we let our physicians know uh, which channels uh, they should be using that are best to reach their audience. You know, Facebook is kind of this wonderful, ubiquitous, universal channel, um, but really hits home with uh, the Gen Xers, so those that are 50 on up, all the way to the boomers and the mature audience. Um, and as you tip lower than uh, age 50 and even the 40s, you've got more of those folks watching Instagram. And every one of us has used some form of Google or another. 
Um, Yelp really kind of lives, unfortunately, up to its name um, and Google as well. Yelp is one of those that, you know, it really should be um, a nice you know, rating site. Uh, it started out, as Cherry mentioned, you know, in the hospitality industry, but it's spread significantly into healthcare, be it medical or dental. And the challenge that you have with both Yelp as well as Google is that anybody with an account or they can even create a fake persona can go out there and leave a review for you, whether they are a patient or not. And that raises the question of, okay, great, you put the content out there, but now who's monitoring that at your practice? Who's responding to it? Particularly, how do you respond correctly if it's you know, not a patient? How do you handle that with grace and dignity um, so that you are showing that you're active and participative of it, but also not taking you know, a, a pot shot you know, from somebody who definitely is not a patient of the practice. And so this becomes, you know, one of those enigmas to a lot of physicians out there and even some of our fellow professionals, Terry, that are in healthcare consulting, you know, how do I counsel them to use it, but then also uh, to use it to show that how it generates, you know, not only patients in terms of educating them, but brings them into the practice um, without my reputation going, uh, you know, sideways. Well, and, you know, Maureen brings up a really good point. So just something personal for me, I actually don't use Facebook. I stopped it about five years ago because it got very political. And some people may like that, but I that's a personal thing for me. So, and I don't know if you noticed, but because I think Facebook is one of the largest platforms and everybody is very hypersensitive nowadays to responses to anything, you have to be really careful. I mean, you know, there's people out there that didn't like if somebody put Christmas lights on their house because they said it triggered them or things like that. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. So just little things like that. If you respond, Maureen is 100 percent correct. Your response has to be well thought out. It has to apply to generically to everybody and making sure that you're you're not triggering or you're not offending or and, and really keeping it. You know, the word professional doesn't even grasp what we're trying to say here, keeping it where, what's the word? It You always have to keep your customer in mind. Is this going to increase your brand? Is this going to generate a new patient? Is this going to keep your patients without alienating anyone? And, and that's a hard thing to do and to keep on top of. I think that's very, very accurate. And the other thing that, you know, we really encourage um, our physicians and their practice administrators to do. And I've even had conversations like this, as you have as well, Terry, with our colleagues. And that is, you know, when there is something that is uh, very contentious, uh, be it true or false, um, it's really best to go old fashioned and have a proper response left online to show that you are responding to it. But get offline right away. If you know who the patient is, um, or you know who the client is, pick up the phone, um, really take it on one-on-one with them on the phone, because I can honestly tell you after seeing this for 16 years, you know, when Facebook first came out and then all these other social platforms have come, you know, it doesn't really replace that, just that common sense of manners of really being able to connect with the individual. I think a lot of Patients hide behind that veil of, you know, oh, I can do this uh, anonymously. Uh, nobody's going to track me. But in reality, 
you got to have a thick skin if you're going to be on social media. You have to have a well-established uh, protocol for dealing with um, poor or false reviews. And you got to take it in a dignified manner and take it offline. Talk okay. to them directly and don't get into this he said, she said online because in the end, it just makes you look like the fool, even if you're right. Right. And I, oh my gosh, I so agree. So what we're basically kind of explaining is, let's say you get a negative um, or even a positive, any kind of comment on Facebook that you want to reply, something to the effect, and Maureen, please jump in here if, if, if I'm going down the wrong path here. Let's start with the negative. I would say, you know, I apologize for your experience. I would love to be able to help you and uh, talk to you about this offline. Please contact us directly and give a way they can contact you and leave it at that. I, I don't think I would go beyond that. Right. You know, with both positive and of course, we're talking with a negative because a lot of doctors are very resistant to wanting to participate in social media because they don't know how to address that, that negative or the haters out there, the haters, that, right. You know, <laughs> that just don't like what you've posted and let's face it, Terry. I mean, you and I have talked about this as well. And that is with COVID people have had more time on their hands oh, yes. um, than they should. And I mean, of all ages, there isn't a specific age group I'm targeting when I say this, but they really get very granular about what they do or don't like about what you've posted. And that's where I said, like, you've got to have a thick skin and stay above the fray on that. But when you do have a negative review, I agree with Terry, you do need to keep it short and sweet. Um, I even do that with the positive saying, hey, thanks for the great review. Um, we're so glad that you had a wonderful experience. And then in the flip side, you know, we're so sorry that you had a negative experience. We would really like to make this right. Please contact. And then we usually give a first name of who's at the office that handles these and the phone number. And, you know, we keep it that, you know, that straight. We have had happen. And Terry, you heard me talk about this too, where it's a negative review that's left on a client site, which we can't get off. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, where it's not even a patient of the practice, but they've left it on Google. Yes. And, you know, we've come up with a really great way to coach our clients through that saying, we're so sorry that you had a bad experience, but I'm sorry, you're not a patient of ours. We would love to help you. And again, please contact us, you know, accordingly. And that has really worked very, very well for all of my clients, regardless of specialty, um, whether you're primary care or a specialist, um, it, it just, it works extremely well. Well, and the one thing Maureen's bringing up, and I think I am too, is that please don't ignore it. And I'm talking to the listeners, do not let it just sit there. You, you do need to address these things, which means you need to be aware that they're actually happening. I was, I'm very active on Twitter, both I have a work account and a sports account because I podcast and blog for Pittsburgh Steelers football. And that's just who I am. But I noticed that there was a bad couple of bad games, you know, in the last couple of uh, weekends. And one of the kickers started getting death threats through social media. And it was the wrong account for that kicker. So this other person who didn't have the middle initial was getting these death threats because he missed three field goals. And you're just like people, People have no filter on social media and they just don't feel it would ever come back on them. So keep that in mind as well. And so we have to be a little bit, I guess that's where the word professional comes in, but just we have to have a thick skin, like Maureen said, and be able to short, sweet, let's just address it and then take it offline. Um, because one of the things and bringing back to Facebook, you may have a Facebook account and not know it. 
Somebody could have created one for you. Uh, it could have been created by the Facebook people in general, especially if uh, there's enough um, searches for it. And you may not even know it existed. I had a couple of um, webinars and seminars and lives things I've done. And I said, you know, get out your phones, everyone. Let's take a look and see if you have a Facebook page. And I had a room of 120 physicians a couple years ago. And the doctors were like, well, I didn't create, we don't have one. I said, let's take a look. And it was funny because of those 120 physicians, all but two had a page that they did not create. So they were just like, I think there was three in there that said, we created ours, two didn't have one at all. And the rest of them said, we didn't, this is not, oh my gosh, this is not me. We did not put this up here. I'm just like, surprise. So you need to know what's out there. And awareness is a really big deal when it comes to social media. Absolutely. You know, we have... Like, I, I can't think of any client that we've onboarded in the last few years. And I'm, when I say few years, I'm talking in like five years or less that hasn't been through the same situation. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, systems out there like Canva and Hootsuite and all these other like tools that help you push content out there. And they're meant to help you also monitor these channels. But the bottom line is, is that for a physician and any professional, uh, that is out there on social media, whether you created that account yourself or not. And again, they do use artificial intelligence to aggregate a page and try to get you to claim it. Uh, Yelp and, and Facebook are notorious for this. Yes. But it is why you definitely need to have um, a professional you know, person and not just you know, somebody in your office that happens to like Facebook as a platform or anything else. There's a lot of legal um, protocols that we're not going to really get into today, but there's a lot of protocols that need to be adhered to, not just for the platform, but in terms of overall reputation. Because when you own that practice and you could have a single physician or multiple physicians, that is literally tied to your reputation online. And reputation management, you guys hear that term used over and over and over again, but really it, its roots started within this social media hemisphere. And it's a larger discussion, maybe another podcast, Terry, for another time. Mm -hmm. But it's so important that it's never ignored uh, and that it is monitored uh, carefully. And most of you physicians out there, you don't have time for that. You know, that's what a firm like ours is very handy to have. But the bottom line is you, you gotta be aware of it. Um, and you need to understand, uh, again, if there's someone out there which I can tell you about 50% of the time, Terry, just like you cited with the Pittsburgh Steelers, it literally does happen where you have confusion of um, a physician's individual brand, their name versus the practice's name. But both can happen where false reviews or false information is being lobbied against them online and it's not their practice. Yeah, think about this for our listeners. Think of how many patient names that are similar, especially if you have a um, heavy ethnicity in your practice. You may have some similar names as well, and you know how to differentiate between that. But people on a search, they don't always know that. And they'll just pick up the first one and that they may say that's, you know, that's your practice. And so you could get some comments or um, reviews or something that isn't really pertaining to you, but you ended up inheriting them. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Do you consider, Maureen, do you consider um, a website to be social media? You know, that's a really good question. Um, 
I consider it to kind of be the cornerstone to one's digital footprint. So just as when you physically build a practice, uh, whether you're renovating a space or anything else, if you think about it in terms of that, I really look at it as the cornerstone. And it's where you have the central repository of all the information, everything to do with your practice. I look at social media, though, um, more and the channels that we've talked about and more as a distribution form. So they kind of are part of that ecosystem. Some clients, though, use Facebook pages as their website. Um, this is this is not something I'm really recommending for a variety of reasons, compliance being chief among them and the lack of control that we've already talked about to do with Facebook in and itself. The website itself, depending on how it's structured, um, most of our physician websites or practice websites are not really meant to be for social media. They can be a redistribution form, but they really should be that, that cornerstone for everything and anything to do with your practice. So that's really you know, how we, we try to differentiate between the two of them and keep it really simple for physicians to understand what they should and should not be using. Right. So physicians, you know, whether a physician or a dentist or a medical practice, so we're basically advocating you need a website. This is a uh, cornerstone is a good way to put it. But this this is basically in a nutshell, um, your platform of who you are. I've seen even some expansions on websites uh, where they say, oh, lo especially somebody looking for a physician or a provider uh, that they're coming from out of state or out of the area and that you have a, a page on there that shows local restaurants, you know, local places that you know, if, if their um, visit isn't ready yet, you know, they can go and have a cup of coffee somewhere. Um, local things to do, even neighborhoods. I've seen a couple of that on there. If you want to move here, you know, it's a great place to live. I saw this on a Kansas City website, which I thought was really cool. Um, the other thing is it's a great place, and Maureen and I are advocates of this, for blogging. And blogging are basically articles that are not formal. It's, it's updating your site on information that the patients will be, you know, needing. COVID's a big one right now. And it does something about um, stretching you for what we like to call SEO, search engine optimization. It means when somebody is going to look for you, Google you, find you, that certain keywords within that blog, within that article, will trigger them to be able to find you. But those are things that are really necessary on that cornerstone, as, as Maureen put it, to make sure that you start there. If you're figuring out where do we start on social media, start there. And then I agree with Maureen that Facebook, Instagram, anything like that, those are kind of arms. You've got your trunk, which is your, you know, your website. And now you've got these reach, these arms that are coming out to try to reach further. And just going further into that, so let's say that you have a website and you decided that, yes, you do have a Facebook or social media platform. So Maureen, what is the first thing you would say to post? Would it be photos, a video? What, what would you want to see an office that's breaking into this post? Sure. There are a number of different types of styles of post, but we're going to stick strictly today with the type of content. And let me just add to um, what Terry had just said a moment ago, and that is the nice thing about your website is that you're controlling the frame of the conversation. In other words, you're guiding the patient um, for our peers. It's you're, you're guiding your, your clients you know, through that. So you can control the content and the frame and the flow of the conversation and how they get through things a lot better. 
Um, when we're talking about blogs, whether they're written or done by video, or even through what Terry and I are doing, and that is a podcast, again, that's an opportunity to go granular on a specific topic or subject. And one of the favorite things that we like to work on with clients that absolutely haven't had any experience whatsoever on social media, or if they have, it's been kind of sort of halfway done. And that is, you know, they want to really know, like, not just who are you, but why should I come to you? So we differentiate that by talking about specific things that their practice offers. So to get our physician clients really thinking about that, and I'm going to use um, primary care as an example because there's a lot of you guys out there. Um, you guys are not just, as someone once labeled you, the gatekeepers to all of our healthcare, <clears throat> but you actually truly service every aspect of things that we go through as patients. So if we are of a certain age or we have a family history of a critical care disease like diabetes, Talking about the fact that you not only diagnose, but that you treat diabetes and having those physicians that are within your practice on camera or writing the articles out themselves is really a genuine great way to bring out content to explain a condition that you treat and the treatments that you provide for that condition. It also helps the patient to identify with a provider within that practice that has that appeal or in that level of expertise. So it's a great way for you to be able to get that message out that you control, but also to use that to put on more than just one person in the practice. We have a primary care practice in Northern Chicago that is doing a really great job. They haven't done social media in the past, but we actually found out a really good statistic from them for those of you that are listening. Uh, they actually went up 42% in less than three months in the number of new patients that were coming to their practice because they were finally telling people out in the social hemisphere all the different conditions in which they treat outside of just coming in and having a regular checkup. And we used more than just the providers. We used actually some of the MAs in conversation with the providers. When possible, we got permission uh, with patients to be interviewed. So it's a really great way to just that one simple piece of being able to put out that kind of post is a great way to establish who you are, what you do, and extend your personality out into that hemisphere um, in a very non-threatening, non-opinionated way. It's funny you say that because so I have this client that I've been, he's been a client of mine for 20 years and he's very gruff. He, um, his bedside manner is something to be desired. Great physician. But he was saying that his, he was seeing some comments that negativity, negative comments that were basically saying that he was just very stoic. He, he wasn't personable and everything. He goes, Terry, what do I do to change that? Because I'm all business and I'm trying to have a conversation, but they think I'm being mean. And I said, well, let's do a video on your website. Let's just stick it on there. And you're going to hold a puppy. And he goes, you're kidding me. I'm like, no, no, pep, puppy sell. Have you ever seen YouTube? So he goes, really? And I go, yes. So we put a little, <laughs> a brand new little um, uh, German Shepherd puppy in his hands. You know how cute they are. And uh, basically he started talking about this um, new thing that he was doing as a cardiologist for patients that 
had AFib and it was about the ablation that, you know, it's really not an invasive procedure. It, it, it comes off that way, but he was talking about this procedure, but this puppy just wanted to lick his face and was a little bit rambunctious. And he was, he was going with it. I said, now you're going to have to go with it if the puppy gets a little extra. And he did, and you could just see him smile. And then finally he's like, so I just want you to know this is a puppy Max and he needed some attention today and this was the only time to do it. So I'm talking to you with Max today. His his new patients went up also by 30% and they wanted to see the puppy when they came in. So it was just funny that you mentioned, you know, having a personality if you're going to do a video or a photo people look for that. They're looking for somebody approachable and they want to know not just you as, as a professional, but you need to give them a, just a little bit of insight into your personality. I mean, one thing I do on one of my podcasts, uh, the CodeCast podcast is at the very end, I have a two minute section on my personal, okay, I'm going to give you a personal tidbit. And my, you know, numbers went up to 300,000. It was just crazy. People were like, oh, I love that you love Napa. I love that you love this or whatever. So it's really interesting the connection now that we're so digital um, is really still needed by everybody and it's because we're in telehealth and doing so many things that are not in person as maureen and i are talking about this you know platform and we're saying digital that's really what it is on social media you've got to bring in some personality whether it be through a blog a video a photo whatever it is when you're posting consider that don't you agree I absolutely agree. You know, and I mean, on the flip side of that too is, um, and I'm sure some of you have seen these headlines out there that like people have gotten fired because they've done social media um, to promote the place that they work. Um, I had responded recently, Terry, to like one where I thought it was wonderful that the um, uh, ambulatory surgery centers, uh, nursing and one of their surgeons, it was very late, very after hours when they shot this, which now we're really good about saying those disclaimers actually in the post, but they took a lot of guff, um, from the senior partners because, um, and other people going, Oh, great. So you have nothing better to do than to do a dance routine or something else, you know, that's dubbed out there. Um, you know, so you have to be, you have to be cognizant of like yeah. your audience and not do something that's foolish. That's going to get you in trouble, you know, corporately or, you know, with your prospective patients. But the biggest thing is, is that, you know, you can't go all techie as, as a doctor, or even Terry, you and I have talked about like, you know, we use certain acronyms or certain codes that, you know, describe in short form, you know, like a short language format, um, you know, what we do. And that just turns people off. You've got to keep it really simple and straightforward, but genuine. Um, I think there's way too much out there, um, especially with the overpopulation of Facebook on some of that stuff. So, well, you know, TikTok now is, is, is out of oh control. Lord. I don't it, even know how to is. use that platform. I, I don't get it. My friends love that. And I'm in the 50 plus. So when my friends get on, I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're acting like you're 12. So I know some people like that. I don't care for it. That's just me, though. I prefer an Instagram story or just a photo on Instagram just to, you know, to tell just to tell the story, you know, you know, as those things. As a CEO of, you know, a medical and dental um, marketing company, you know, for over 20 years, I, I've seen a lot of trends kind of come and go. And um, as an adjunct professor at Marquette and at Harvard, you know, I teach doctors literally how to communicate with their patients um, right from the very beginning and all the way through social media. 
But I can tell you that my graduate and doctoral students that are also leaning into that communications area and trying to specialize in digital communications, you know, they're all about the flash and the pizzazz and the latest things. It's always about that. And, you know, I agree with you, Terry. I'm I'm over the age of 50, as you know now, too. And at first I thought, yeah, oh, gosh, am I just getting old? But, you know, I really like to go back to some of the tried and true stuff that I learned from my dad and my, you know, uh, grandparents. And that is, you know, you need to use this not as a substitute for communication, but as an extension of who you are. And that's why it has to be genuine. If you do it fake, when they get to that office, man, they're going to be out of there in a flash if the two don't match. Yeah. And well, there was something that came up recently. I'm, I'm doing some, not just some blogs, but some training on not just the telehealth rules from coding and billing and reimbursement, but how to have an effective telehealth visit. And I did one where everybody was like, oh, okay, that makes so much sense just to try to relate it where you're, tr- you're trying to get the patient to have a private space as possible. So we did this thing where it was kind of a video and I had this one company wanted to do this video and it was very TikTok-y, you know, just trying to be funny about it. I'm like, no, let's not do that. So we had a very professional, you know, this, what, this is what your telehealth visit should look like. And I said, you know what? The physician had a granddaughter that would eventually come in the office. She was four every once in a while. I said, you know what? I'm actually, if you don't mind her being on camera, we'd only have to use the back of her head, but we're going to have where she runs up to you to give you something and runs out. And you're going to say, thank you, honey. I say, but then say, if you can avoid having your kids run in, that'd be a good idea because this is supposed to be a private thing. And he's like, do you think that'll turn people off? Or I go, you know, you're going to have a couple people going, that's fine. But you're gonna have a lot of people saying, oh, that happens to me all the time. Okay, I'll be mindful of it. And that's what happened. They realized, you know, he could relate because he had that happen to him. But then as a very comforting way he put it, he just said, try to make sure that you have that space where you're not getting interrupted by grandkids who we love or our kids, you know, things like that. And and so being relatable is really a big deal. But let me let me pivot a little bit as far as posting and, and what you should post if you're getting into the platform. And we mentioned photos, videos, things like that, and keeping it professional and not, you know, on steroids, not these dance parties. But the one thing that also keep in mind to differentiate yourself, and this is probably more of a best practices, but it's very helpful. If you can extend your hours and you're posting something this will really get people. If you're an after hours clinic, you don't have to be urgent care, but think of yourself, if you're a dentist and you're, you stay open you know, till eight o'clock at night, do you know many people will be happy with that? Or if you're open at 7 a.m. instead of just eight, everybody works from eight to five or that's the, you know, that's the norm. So when you go outside of people's work schedule where they can do something on their way to work and on their way home or even get home, get the kids fed, do whatever you have to do and go, hey, I have a dentist appointment at 7.30 at night you know, flex people's hours and put that on your website, put that as part of one of your, you know, social media posts. And, and Maureen, I'll speak to you, you know, you can hashtag that out, correct? And and that makes a difference. Right. I think, you know, hashtags and call signs, you know, the main goal for someone on social media, at least for a physician, you know, is really to just be able to really reach and recruit new patients. But it also is a good retention, you know, piece as well. And so, you know, for us, we're really focused more on, you know, what is going to be meaningful and genuine to that audience. And, you know, where is the best place to put that? Um, there's, you know, definitely information 
that's um, extensive on that uh, with regard to putting things out on the Google My Business and Facebook, you know, as a part of not just a post, but part of your presence there. But I think in using just even uh, to play off of what you just gave as an example, Terry, I, I love the fact that like my, um, my clients uh, will take something that like bothers them or something that they see bothers one of their patients. And I'll say, hey, that's a frequently asked question or that's an opportunity for content. So uh, a, a, just a really minute example. So we talked about hours and extension of hours, but um, in one of my physicians who's a dentist that actually does um, complete mouth transformations, complete restructuring, uh, she was coming in and she had a marathon procedure that she was doing that day. So she came in and she was posting herself drinking coffee. And in other posts, you see dentists, including herself, talk about the, the deficits of coffee to both the teeth and the taste buds and things like that. And I said to her, I said, you know, you're using this really weird straw. You've got a Starbucks cup, but that's a different straw. Why do you use the straw? And she says, oh, I do that so that it doesn't hit the coffee gets into my system, but it doesn't hit my teeth as bad um, and doesn't stain things. Uh, and I said, you know, could we talk about that? And where, where can people get these straws? And amazingly, it was just a little thing talking about her coming in early, giving a prequel to the procedure that she was going to be doing. And she was going to be posting a little bit before and after, um, not so much during, of course, with the patients. And just that little tip uh, really surged uh, her following. And so she started doing some other helpful tips. And patients are like, oh, you always ruin it because you tell us not to do this, not to do that. But I do like how you give us the option of using an alternative. So it really depends on like knowing your audience, but sometimes those are nice calculated risks. So being consistent with putting out content is a long discussion, but putting out things that are different and maybe outside of your comfort zone, but still stay with who you are and really help your patients. That definitely always strikes home. I so I think that that's, that's very key. Um, let's say that you have yeah. somebody that's on Facebook or Instagram or, uh, you know, even on their website. How often do you think they should post or update or take a look at that? Let's say that they, they haven't used a company like yours, Associated Marketing, which I would agree, everybody. I have my own social media manager. We don't have time for it. And honestly, as much as like Maureen was saying, you don't want somebody who just can access Instagram or Facebook. You want somebody who knows what they're doing in the industry. But so let's say they don't have, you know, your company and they're, they do have somebody internally. What would you tell them to do on how often to post something? I think the biggest thing to do is that we really like work in, and I, I teach my students this, this, it's a gold fashion, sit down and chart out like an entire calendar year and think about, okay, uh, one thing to fill in is what I favoritely call the medical or dental hallmark holidays. And believe me, folks, there, if you want to listen to that, I'm more than happy to give that. And Terry can post it <laughs> with his funny. podcast. They do have those. That's funny. <laughs> we do. Every specialty, um, whether you're a dermatologist, a plastic surgeon, a primary care, there are a bajillion medical hallmark holidays. So you can start out with putting your calendar together with those. And then, of course, supplement that with the federal holidays. 
Now think about, depending on what kind of doctor you are, what are some things that are seasonally very relevant? So again, sticking with primary care, um, right now, obviously, we're still in the crux of flu season across the United States, and it's kind of taken a backseat to the COVID vaccine. But definitely putting that out there, um, making sure that people know that they can get a pneumonia shot, um, the shingles vaccination. So you can do a whole stream on vaccinations um, and start plugging those into where they're relevant uh, during the year. Then start looking at other things that have seasonality to them, as well as something that you want to reinforce. So for primary care, something that should be reinforced, especially around the holiday times, but pretty much all year round is mental health and to picking out different topics there and filling those in. So just kind of mind dumping is what I call it, putting those into like a spreadsheet and, and, there, and start there um, and don't try to boil the ocean. Just literally take any idea, whether you think it's good or bad, just put it where you think it belongs. And then you can actually start to think about, okay, what do we want to say about, and then the topic. So we really, you know, have brought it forth. And then you can also think about, okay, well, who in the practice do we want doing the talking? Because you may not want it to be just all about the primary, you know, managing partners. Um, you might have somebody else that's a much better facilitator. Uh, we learned that, again, with um, Pravida Family Medicine, um, with using Brian, who's one of their best um, MAs and is working on his nursing degree. He is absolutely fantastic at helping little kids understand why they need shots and how it's over and done within a minute. And it really massively upticked the number of parents bringing their kids in, not just for the COVID vaccine, but for all vaccines that they may be behind on. Nice. So it doesn't always have to be one person either. So that's where I would say, you know, simple places to start without having to knock yourself silly. Right. And I think that one of the things you have to remember with social media platforms is they go with the most recent, meaning that if you try to post two or three times a day, they're not going to see everything you do. So don't go crazy with content. You, you know, twice a week, maybe three times a week. Um, a lot of people do not. This is actually funny. A lot of people do not look at content from a business on the weekends um, and Mondays are tough. And you know, what's funny, Maureen, is, it was funny. I was thinking about this the other day. We're always waiting for different things that come out from Medicare, different things that come out from the payers when they update certain policies. They always update them on Fridays thinking we won't see it until the next week. And so I was like, why are they, you know, the public health emergency, for example, they do it at five o'clock on Friday. Nobody's going to notice. We're, we're like waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm like, why would they do that? Yeah, think about that. But um, as far as being effective, I would probably recommend maybe twice a week just so that the content sits there for a little bit and people can see it. Right. And, you know, there are software and pieces out there that and we have our own proprietary system that we know when the best times to post are, but you know, you don't want to throw mud against a wall to speak metaphorically here and call it art. Right, um, right. It's still going to be mud that's dripping down the wall. And not exactly. Working. Yeah. So, well, I mean, what is, yeah. some, what is the saying that I love? It's like, um, what did somebody say to me recently? Well, it, it's only a good, it, it may be an idea, but it doesn't necessarily make it a good idea. You know, it has to be a good exactly. idea to be able to make it work. But so finally, let's just wrap this up a little bit. In everyone's practice, really what our objective here today was to reflect that social media is about awareness. 
It's about a conversation and it is really about hopefully bringing leads, new customers, and really diving deep into this digital, you know, um, I keep using the word platform, but this digital basically landscape that we're in right now and understanding it. It's not something you can ignore. It's not something that you can just push to the side. I know some people say, oh, well, you know, I can't be bothered with that. I'm old school. Old school is fine when it comes to maybe not doing the TikTok dance parties, but it's not okay to just ignore that you could have a Google out there. You could have a Yelp review. Uh, you definitely need some kind of a, a, a website to start somewhere. And, you know, if you had one more thing, Maureen, to share with our listeners as far as on that platform, as far as not ignoring it and really getting themselves aware of it for 2022, what would you say? I would definitely uh, recommend that people, you know, don't try to, like I said, boil the ocean. Don't try to hit all the, the platforms all at once. Pick one and really know how to use it well inside and out. Uh, because a lot of times I've seen people just try to do everything because they think it's the next latest and greatest thing. And we mentioned TikTok earlier. Um, I'm not a big fan on my clients using that because I think it doesn't lend itself well to their brand, but really stick you know, with it and really understand how it works best to reach your patients and what's what types of posts, what stories, what content really tie it back to really extending your digital footprint. I think that's great advice. Well, thank you, Maureen, and thank you for being on the podcast today. You've given us a ton of information, great insight, and we really appreciate having you here today. Thank you, Terry. That will wrap it for me today, folks. Reminder to look at our NSCHBC website at NICHBC.org for our latest blogs, free webinar offerings, our Medicare quarterly webinar offerings, and our upcoming telehealth two-day virtual summit, February 9th through 10th, sponsored by the NSCHBC. You don't want to miss that. So this is Terry Fletcher saying make it a great week, a great day, and thank you for listening to the NSCHBC podcast. Thank you for listening to the NSCHBC Edge podcast. Join us on the second Tuesday of each month as our consultants tackle the complexities of navigating the business of medicine. You can reach us on the web at nschbc.org, the National Society of Certified Healthcare Business Consultants.